Welcome back, SPC listeners. Join me today for episode 41, The Anonymous CFI, where I'll be flying with the unnamed instructor to do some practice procedures. We'll cover some simulated instrument, including a takeoff under the hood, steep turns, stalls, shorts and softs, and more. Chandler Tower, Cherokee 4121 Tango, it's a Chandler Air Service. We have Sulu, and uh, we'd like a south departure, please. As you heard in the last couple of episodes, I had started my stage four of my training with my solo long cross country. Now it was time for an hour of dual training. I didn't go up with my normal instructor, Larry, because he wasn't able to do the time slot that I had. For that reason, I was with a different instructor. I had forgotten to get permission from that instructor to publish the cockpit audio from that flight, so this episode will be a bit more brief than normal. I'll have to make sure that I don't publish anything with him or her speaking, just to be proper about it. Trust me, though, I had a good instructor with me on board, even though you won't hear the instructor's voice in this podcast. So during this flight, we'd be practicing some simulated instrument conditions, power on and power off stalls, as well as short field and soft field landings and takeoffs. I needed three hours total of simulated instrument time to be able to get my ticket, and I was pretty low on that so far, so the point four I would get today would be pretty important. We would just be staying in the practice area south of Chandler. Here's the ATIS to kick it off. Broken 5,000 overcast. Temperature 25, dew point 22, altimeter 2997. Visual approach in use, landing and departing runways 22 left and right. Notice the airmen, multiple obstructions in the vicinity of Chandler Airport up to 310 feet AGL. Hazardous weather information available on HIWAS Flight Watcher Flight Service frequencies. Use caution for bird activity in the vicinity of Chandler Airport. Advise on initial contact, yep, kilo. Chandler Tower Information Kilo Time 1547 Zulu Wind 130 at 5 Visibility 10 miles Showers in the vicinity Ceiling 3000 broken 5000 overcast Temperature 25 Dew point 22 Altimeter 29997 So I made my call to ground at that point and got my clearance Right after I finish my call you'll hear me ask myself if I forgot the tail I was referring to the tail tie down chain because it seemed like the plane wasn't moving as I pushed forward the throttle For any of you who have flown in a small airplane, you know that it takes a bit of power to quote-unquote break away the tires after a plane's been parked. In other words, it takes more power to start rolling than to keep rolling. This time, however, it seemed to take a much larger than normal amount of power to get rolling. So I thought for a second that I had accidentally left the tail chain on. My instructor assured me that I didn't, and the tires did finally break away, and we started moving. It's always humbling if you forget a tie-down chain and have to shut the plane down, get out, free up the aircraft, and start all over again. Luckily, that wasn't the case this time. Chandler Ground, Cherokee 81658 uh, has kilo, like a south departure, and we're at Chandler Air Service. Did I forget the tail? Cherokee 658, thank you. Taxi to runway 22 right via Alpha November. Taxi to 22 right, Cherokee 658. During the taxi, I had to deal with a seat back that was really loose, and so it felt like it was reclining. I had to scoot the seat up more than normal so I could reach everything. Some of these older, well-used planes have a lot of little idiosyncrasies. It had also been raining a lot, 
And if you noticed in the Aedis, there were still showers in the area. When we get a good deal of rain, some of the planes would have soggy carpets as the door and window seals weren't all that good sometimes. That was the case this day. My seat was leaning back and the floor was soggy. Just another day of training. So after my pre-flight checklist, my instructor briefed me on some of the first things we'd be doing. I would start with a takeoff under the hood, so simulated instrument takeoff. And then I would get instructions to intercept certain radials and turn to certain headings and get altitudes, etc. And I would try to keep track of it all while doing my instrument scan. I was told that I would be asked to fly a heading after taking off, and I would intercept the Willy 220 radial. And then I would move on over to the Stanfield 350 radial, which I would also intercept. I would set the DG to 220 at the beginning to align with the runway before takeoff. Full power against the brakes and my whole world would be 220 on the DG. At 60 knots, I'll rotate two bars up. And then when I hit 80, establish my climb to keep it right there. I asked if anyone would actually take off in conditions that would require a blind takeoff like this. And my instructor said there are situations, of course, where it's legal, but whether it's wise is another story. So the instructor would get us all lined up on the runway while I was donning my hood, which is the vision restriction device to simulate instrument conditions. It basically keeps me from being able to see anything out the windows and restricts my vision just to the panel. Just before I made the call to the tower, we heard this exchange between an arriving pilot in a decathlon and the tower. He had a radio display malfunction, so he couldn't get the ATIS, but needed to land. Decathlon 8 Sierra Charlie. Decathlon 8 Sierra Charlie, Senator. Do you want me to make the call? to the south at about uh, five miles south-southeast, and uh, I've lost the display on the radio, so I'm not going to be able to go to Aedis, and uh, I need to come in and land. Decathlon 8 Sierra Charlie, Ident. Information Kilo, Colonel Generators, runways 22 left and right in use. Wind 10018, altimeter 29998. Copy all that, 8-0-Charlie. Of course, it wasn't really an emergency. He just had to get the ATIS information manually from the tower. But the controller must have been a little worried because he was very distracted when I did make my call. I had to do it three times, in fact. Chandler Tower, Cherokee 81658, so 2-2 right, ready to go. Uh, request momentary delay. Decathlon 8 Sierra Charlie, enter left base runway 22 left, remain this frequency. Left base for 22 left, 8 Sierra Charlie. After a few moments, it was obvious he didn't hear me or he had ignored me, so I tried again. And then, when he still hadn't heard, he asked for the details again. Third time was the charm, and we got our clearance. Chandler Tower, Cherokee 81658 is ready to go on 22 right. Request momentary delay. Cherokee 9126 Mike, left turn south unapproved. Roger, 26 Mike. Other aircraft calling Chandler Tower are ready for departure signal. Cherokee 81658, we're ready. Request momentary delay. Cherokee 81658, momentary delay approved. Fly runway heading, runway 22 right, clear for takeoff. Clear for takeoff on 22 right, 658. So after we were lined up and I verified that we were on course on the DG, I held the brakes and went full power to do a short field blind takeoff. I was told to go left or right a certain amount by my instructor, depending on what was needed. I pulled back sharply at 60 knots to break the wheels off the ground and then pushed forward a bit to build speed over the ground, and then continued a normal climb. 
A couple of times the instructor had to tell me to pay attention to the wings and make sure to get them level. It was a lot to handle all at once. After a bit, I was told to turn to 170 and then intercept my radial, which was Willie 220. I was having a tendency to turn more sharply than a standard rate turn and had to be reminded once or twice. All right, maybe it was like five times. I would start to climb a little after I was supposed to be straight and level on the radial. So as I started to correct that, I would drift off the radial and then I would correct that. I would have to keep getting reminders to keep it at standard rate turn. Man, I was way behind the airplane. I think it'll be fun to someday get my instrument rating, but I'm going to need some practice before then. I got instruction on which way to turn and to intercept, how early to start the turn, etc. Then I got some unusual attitude training. The instructor took over the airplane. I closed my eyes, put my chin to my chest, and waited to get the plane back. When I looked up, still with the hood on, of course, I had to figure out whether to add power or take it out, get the wings level, and then get the attitude level. I was put in some weird configurations, but I guess that's where the maneuver got its name. We did two of those, and I got a not bad, which on this day felt pretty good. I got reminded to make sure the wings stay absolutely level when I'm recovering. I then did a couple of steep turns, one each way, while of course holding my altitude. I was at 3,000 feet for these. On the first one, I rolled out a bit too late and ended up five or so degrees past my target heading. The second one was better. At that point, I was asked to do minimum controllable airspeed, or MCA. I was to hold my 3,000 feet and the heading I was on and get to minimum controllable airspeed. With the stall horn squeaking, I then got a couple of left turns to different headings and then a right turn to it and then another left. I got reminded to make sure I look the direction I'm turning before I start the turn. We had already done a clearing turn, of course, before starting the maneuvers, but I was told that making sure I looked before making a heading change is really critical, and so I started doing that more. At that point, I had to bring it back to cruise while maintaining the altitude at 3,000. Fun maneuver, and I was told it was a good one. I nailed the altitude. Then it was time for some stalls. We started with an approach stall or power-off stall. It started with one straight ahead, and then one with a turn to the left, and then to the right. My right turn stall recovery was better than my first one, as I wasn't aggressive enough on the wings level recovery at first. The second one was decisive and good, though. Then we did some power on stalls. Again, one straight ahead, one to the right, and one to the left. The first one I had to do again because it just didn't seem to stall correctly. It would start to break, but the nose lowering would stop the stall, so I just needed to hold it a bit longer. The stalls went fine, and immediately after recovering from the last one, the instructor pulled the power and notified me that I'd just lost my engine. My engine-out response on this flight was one of my worst ever. I configured the airplane quickly, but took quite a while to decide on my landing spot. And then I second-guessed it. By the time I decided that it was definitely my spot, I realized I had forgotten to run my checklist to try and restart the engine. By the time I finished that, I was out of position for my originally spot, and I had to change to a secondary choice. Ugh, it was not good. Then to make matters worse... The flap handle kind of stuck, so it slipped two notches out after I started my go-around when I meant to take one out. My climb-out was affected, of course, and I was a little alarmed about that. All the while, my instructor was being calm and helpful. Once recovered and back straight and level, we headed back towards Chandler to do some shorts and softs. Here's a portion of the ATIS as we headed back. Departure 
Tides ground control direction of flight. Use caution for bird activity in the vicinity channel airport. Read back all hold short instructions. Hazardous weather information available on high watch flight watch your flight service frequencies. Advise on initial contact. You have Mike. Channel confirmation Mike, time one six four eight Zulu. Wind zero nine zero nine weather better than five thousand five. Temperature 25.22, altimeter 29.97. Visual approaching use, landing and departing, runways 4, left and right. In a few minutes, we were within 6 miles or so of the airport, so I made my initial call to the tower. Chandler Tower, Cherokee 81658 is 6 miles south, uh, inbound with Mike for touch and goes. Cherokee 1658, Jalen Tower, good morning. Make a right traffic to runway 4, right report 2 miles south. Traffic will be in the pattern of Archer. Right traffic for 4 right, and uh, we'll report 2 miles, 658. So shortly after that call, we were told we were right on top, practically, of some unknown traffic. Cherokee 658, traffic ahead slightly to your left, less than a half mile, type an altitude unknown. I'm uh, looking, 658. Cherokee 658, altitude indicating now 1,800 on uh, traffic. We still don't have them, 658. Cherokee 658, roger. It uh, appears that you overflew the traffic. Okay. Roger, 658. We were both looking hard as that was pretty close, but no joy. Neither one of us could see it. I told him so, and then he said we had just overflown them. That was nerve-wracking. As soon as my instructor said it must have been a helicopter, they called in reporting five miles from the airport, and sure enough, it was indeed a heli. A minute or so later, we had some more fun with traffic. The tower calls up and tells me to follow some traffic in the pattern, and for the life of me, neither of us could pick that other Cherokee up either. 58, you'll be number two, following an archer, crosswinded and downwind, one mile past departure. Uh, we're looking for that traffic, 658. I got nothing. Probably pretty low. Check 658, the traffic you're following is at your 12 to 11 o'clock and uh, 2 miles, 2,000, climbing to pattern altitude. Still looking, 658. Check 658, the archer you're following is approaching midfield down That's a helicopter. We still couldn't see that stinking traffic for some reason. Finally, literally about 20 seconds later, I spotted it and let the tower know. Chandler Tower, Cherokee 658. We have the traffic and we'll follow them into the pattern. Cherokee 658, Roger. Runway 22 right. Third touch and go, number two. After completion, touch and go, make right close traffic. Okay, cleared number two, touch and go, for right. Make uh, right traffic, 658. Helicopter 815, at the helipad, certainly. So the first landing would be a soft field landing. The instructor talked me through it, but as you know, this wasn't my first one. And I nailed that soft field. I could have probably transitioned from my crab on final to a slip a little bit earlier, maybe making my instructor a little bit nervous, but transition I did, and I put it down soft and gentle right on the center line. Once it was clear, I had touched it down nicely, we powered up, and took off again for my touch-and-go. The traffic behind me, though, was evidently a little too close, and the controller instructed them to go around, which, of course, they did. The next one would be a short field landing. 
I was told by my instructor to put it down right on the R on the runway. Once I turned on to final, this airplane needs to be at 63 knots for a short field landing. So I got it there and put it down. The instructor browbeat me a little bit on short final, but I did it well. And the instructor said it was good, perfectly acceptable. So I'll take it. The next one was another soft and would be the final landing of the day. It was getting busy, but I put down another acceptable soft field landing. My instructor said to work on keeping it perfectly straight and said I'm getting the rudder in to get it straight, but not enough roll in the wings to keep it from drifting. So I'll be working on that the next morning during my solo practice, which was next on my curriculum. So that did it for this lesson. My instructor this day certainly had a different style than Larry, my normal instructor. And like I said before, I love the diversity of instructors. I learn something new from everyone I fly with, and that's the point, I guess. I enjoyed this flight, and I learned a lot, and got some nice words from my instructor at the end. I was getting closer and closer to getting my ticket, and I was getting excited. The next morning, I'd be coming back to the airport to practice some of the procedures, and I was excited about that, too. We'll cover that in the next episode, of course. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm glad you could join me in this flight. As usual, I'd love to hear from you, so reach out to me in one of a few ways. My email address is bill at studentpilotcast.com. And you can reach me from the website, of course, at studentpilotcast.com. Just click on the contact link near the top. Also, you can use the website to comment on any specific episode as well. Finally, you can find me on Twitter too. At Bill Will is my Twitter name. That's B-I-L-L-W-I-L. Thanks again for listening. Even though I made a few mistakes in this flight, I was learning a lot and I was getting more comfortable all the time. There were some good things I did on this flight too, and my landings were really getting pretty consistent. So that was a big plus. Mistakes or not, I was progressing and I was going to be a pilot. Music for today's episode is To Be an Angel by the Canadian band Uncle Seth. You can get more information and subscribe to the Student Pilot Cast at www.studentpilotcast.com. Remember, any instruction that you hear in this podcast was meant for me and for me alone in the situation we were in at the time. Please do not try to blindly apply anything you see or hear in this episode or in any other episode to your own flying without thinking it through on your own completely. If you have questions about any aspect of your flying, please consult a qualified CFI.